The reading today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under the heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his or her own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ruth. It was slightly alarming during the piece. Uh, it's not just to do with the piece as such, but it was the person, well, more than one person who came up and said, oh, it's good to see you wired up. So, Simon, that little red button at the back, do not press. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day when we remember the coming of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that as we share and reflect together, you will open our hearts and minds to what you are calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. As Paul mentioned, uh, we're starting a series at the moment on game changers. 
people who change the games. And uh, I was thinking about the England football team against the Netherlands uh, last earlier this week. It was a semi-final, for those of you who don't know. And uh, one of the players, whose name is Stone, uh, had a very catastrophic moment at a time when England had just scored one goal and disallowed and were almost in the lead and just gave the ball away on the edge of the penalty and conceded a goal. And at that point, the entire team fell apart and uh, they lost 3-1. He was a game changer, but for the wrong reasons. Uh, but I wanted to read to you um, something that... Um, uh, speaks of a different uh, game changer. And of course, you have uh, these kind of um, screens and you had it all up on there and then you hit the wrong button while you're talking and so you have to download it again. So we'll find it in a moment. Oh, come on, where's it gone? I do apologize. Hopefully it's there. Do you want to talk to each other? <laughs> there we go. Okay, I now have the right page. So you can relax. Uh, many of us will remember uh, reading the story some of us were probably even alive when it happened of Martin Luther King. And uh, he was a game changer in a very different way. And I realized as well as kind of thinking about this, about dreams and visions and so on, that I probably never actually read the speech, but I know he had a dream. But I didn't know what that dream was, uh, other than it was vaguely about kind of freedom for, for everybody. So I went and read it as I was preparing. And I just wanted to read some of these words to you from it, words that you may not have read. He said, I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope this is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountains of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discord of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. As I read that, it kind of resonated for me for today. Our jangling discourse in our public places, the great divisions that are going on in our society and our world. And that going to jail together, I don't know whether you're aware that one of our clergy in the diocese was imprisoned. Uh, for taking part in the, the Extinction Rebellion. Uh, and she was one of those who was arrested and taken to prison. They chucked her out at 2 a.m., but there were people there to uh, welcome her. 
And I found myself thinking, if that was Martin Luther's uh, King's dream, and I don't know whether you noticed that it was just steeped in Scripture, quoting from the Bible, that actually what impelled him to do what he did was his understanding of what God had done in Christ. What God had done and proclaimed through his word. He heard and understood and embraced and he went out to do. And uh, this story of Pentecost, in one sense you can't understand it without first reading Genesis 11. Because in Genesis 11 you have the story of the Tower of Babel. And some of you will be familiar with it, others may not. But basically what happened is the Bible tells us all the people of the earth at that time lived together. They had one language. They were all united. But they weren't relying upon God. They weren't recognizing that everything that they had was dependent upon him. And they felt that they wanted to build the biggest tower in the world. And that this tower would be a mark for them of their power and authority and dominion over the world. And the Bible tells us that God looked on this and he spoke and we don't know how it happened but the people were scattered across the earth and their language was confused that they couldn't understand one another. And it reminds me as we were looking at that, first we live with the results of that scattering and all the suspicion and pain that 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 has brought. But also it reminds us that as when human beings come together, and start working together, the possibilities are almost limitless. We are so much more together than we are apart. Isn't that true? We're so much more together than we are apart. And I guess that's why people try to divide us. Because when we're divided, we fall. It's really interesting what's happening in our society. So many things are seeking to divide us and cut us up. Together, the possibilities are almost limitless. But, unregulated by that dependence and humble recognition that we are utterly dependent upon God, that working together can very quickly become toxic and arrogant and self-centered. So the Tower of Babel is a reminder to us that always in our lives we need to be recognizing our dependence upon God and the gift of his Holy Spirit and not taking to ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I find that really, really hard in our society because every advert that I see, every uh, conversation that I have or, or whatever anything is telling me that I deserve it. Not you, I deserve it. And I'm worth it. Don't mind about you, but I'm worth it. Interesting, that coincides with the greatest loss of self-esteem that our world almost knows. And you see, the Tower of Babel literally reached for the sky, but was toppled. And notice what happened at Pentecost. We're told just before it in Acts 1 that Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days. He was praying and talking to them. And then he was taken up by God into the sky, into the heavens. The people of Babel sought to get there themselves. God reached down and lifted Jesus up to the heavens. And then Jesus, from the heavens, sent the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what is one of the prime works of the Holy Spirit? If not to bring unity, 
to break down the barriers that divide us, the barriers of language and color, of gender, all of those things, so that we can learn to work together again, but to work together in humility and dependence upon God, enabled by that gift of the Holy Spirit to do the things that on our own we cannot do. And Pentecost is a promise of a new beginning, of a new hope, of a new society. A vision of God's kingdom in which all can come together. And afterwards, people are saying, what is happening? What does this mean? And Peter stands up and starts to speak out. And he talks about how in the last days, as God pours his spirit out on his people, people will prophesy and see visions and dream dreams. And, speak, and we've already seen the speaking in tongues and the flames of fire. And I kind of was thinking about that. And I don't know about you, and you're probably very different from me. So you probably never have any sense of uh, feeling like you're not a very good Christian or uh, that you need some kind of assurance. Uh, when I was growing up in, in the church, it was very much that the mark, the mark of the true Christian was the ability to speak in tongues, or so certain churches told me. Uh, I can't tell you how many years I spent asking God for the gift of tongues and uh, thinking there must be something wrong with me because I didn't have it. Do you know... You know how that's all about me? It wasn't about God. And it is so easy when we think about Pentecost to make it about us. That somehow we need or we want the gift of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. It might be because we want to feel better about ourselves. We want to feel love. We want that assurance, that certainty. But actually the certainty that Peter spoke about came from what Jesus did on the cross. On the facts of the resurrection on the promise of forgiveness. I don't think we want to just focus on the, on the small things and on ourselves. Yes, God is faithful in the small things, and those of you who were at Claire Bell's wedding yesterday uh, will remember how she stood up and spoke how she had found God faithful in the tiny details of the organization of her wedding as she was seeking to know that she was working in God's will, right down to the fact that last week when she didn't have a makeup artist, a car broke down outside her house, blocking her car in. The woman came and said, I'm terribly sorry, I've blocked your thing, my car's broken down. Come in, she said, they got chatting. Of course, it turned out she was a makeup artist and she volunteered to do her makeup without being asked. Yes, God is faithful in the small things, but there is a much greater vision being presented to us here. This is a vision of the renewal, not just of the church, but of the whole of humanity. That's why people are said to have come from all over. All the known world representatives were there. This gospel is for everyone. It's a vision for the breaking down of the barriers that divide us. Now, isn't that great? That's a big vision. It's a vision of a world where people... Learn to listen and to understand each other. A world ordered around God's principles of loving your neighbor and even, I know it's difficult, your enemy and those who persecute you. And it's a vision that began 
with that experience of God and impelled Peter to start speaking. And, you know, that's, that's really interesting. Peter didn't start speaking until the Holy Spirit came on him, and he understood and experienced that vision. And when he started speaking out, he wasn't just speaking about himself. I noticed in that, when he stood up to speak, he was there. You'd have thought he'd be saying, isn't it great? The tongues of fire have come on. Wow, it's amazing. And they're speaking tongues. He didn't even think about their experience and what was happening in him. He said, this is what was prophesied. This is the vision that God has always had for his people. This is the place that Jesus has invited you to come into through what he's done on the cross. It is amazing. It is the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And if you go on, he says, will you walk with me? That's my paraphrase. It's that experience and the knowledge of God, the understanding of the scripture and the, the capturing of our heart and mind, not just to feel better because then we just stop there, but actually to be part of building something bigger that is so exciting. Because God calls us to speak out this vision that we have received to our friends, our families, our neighbors. Now, it's good to be inspired by our children. I have one of them here, but it's not that one that I'm going to talk about, so don't worry about it. She's looking very disappointed. <laughs> but some years ago, when uh, Johnny was at New Wine and he shared uh, this story, he um, was kind of questioning what was going on, and he had this kind of knockout experience of the Holy Spirit being in worship with the people who were there. Notice again, it's with a lot of people when we come together. Often that's the place where God is able to speak to us through his Holy Spirit. And he came back from there and he was absolutely full of it. And he was talking about what Jesus had done for him, how Jesus had released him from a particular bondage. And uh, he came in, he went away having told us all of that. And we kind of, yeah, it's great. And then he came back and he says, Dad, he said, I put it on Facebook. He put the most personal details on Facebook. He put things on there that I would never in a million years put on there. I told him, John, you shouldn't have done that. He said, Dad, I don't care what people think. Because God has set me free. And Jesus is amazing. And he couldn't stop talking about it because he'd got the vision. He'd understood that what Jesus did on the cross was for him and for everybody. That it was calling him to be part of a world that was different. And to bring that message to others. And... Uh, He's still talking about Jesus to everybody that he meets. And it humbles me, and it humbles Anita. And I think that's a really important thing about this story of Pentecost. It's not about you and me. It's not about us and our experiences. It's about that invitation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's where it gets exciting. Paul says God pours, uh, gives new life to our mortal bodies through his spirit that he pours into us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that's accessible to us. But it's not a power to make us feel nice. It's a power to be part of God's kingdom. To break down barriers. And you know, I think, uh, Romans 8 tells us that the whole creation is groaning in pains of childbirth, longing for the children of God to be revealed. I think our nation is. I think the divisions that go so deep in our nation actually are still being fueled. And I don't know, you saw that stuff about Donald Trump and the blimp? First time it happened last time, I was great, you know, I really dislike Trump, is terrible, he's all this kind of stuff. 
But the second time, I started thinking about that. As a Christian, is it really honoring to God if I am basically showing despising for somebody who's made in the image of God? Does it help that wider discourse of peace that we make fun of those who disagree with us and treat them as if they are less than human? Or where is the place that I as a Christian can reach out to those who disagree with me and to say, help me to understand, teach me why this matters so much for you? And what are the injustices that lie behind things? And how do we build a community where we can disagree with love and without dehumanizing the other? And as church members, when we talk about things like that, you know the B word, because you don't want me to say it, are we doing it in a way that honors? When we post on Facebook about it, it's so easy to put our frustrations in there, but aren't we just pitting one set of frustrations against another? Our press is polarizing. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace, a spirit of reconciliation, a spirit of unity. And that's part of building God's kingdom. That in all the places where we are, God's spirit can help us to live as Christ lived and to build people up rather than breaking them down. So I want to leave you this morning with that little question. How big is your vision? And as you go through the game changers and through the Bible studies and think about it, pray that God will give you a vision that is so great that you just can't stop talking about it. Because actually I can tell you, and we could tell you, loads of ways to talk about Jesus and to share his faith. And it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference, and it might make you feel a bit guilty for a while, and you might try and do something. Actually, let's just pray that God will give us a vision. And that that vision will be so overpowering and so wonderful and so amazing that actually it's more a question of stopping us talking and stopping us from being peacemakers and stopping us for living from Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you that it's not about us, it's all about you. Help us to focus our hearts and minds and lives on you and your spirit. And Lord, you know we all find it weak and we all fail, probably more often than we would like to admit. And that, Lord, sometimes our hearts grow cold. But we pray that you will restore that vision within us, that you will open up our hearts and minds to see what you have for our lives. And we pray that just as at Pentecost, when they saw that vision of you and of your kingdom, as they saw it fulfilled in the gift of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection, so we may find that every day you add more to our numbers as people find you and hear all that you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen.